You are listening to episode 62 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna. And we are recording on Wednesday, October 20th. We are here. Here's what, so it's been a minute because September yeah. had some some rough times. I had five days of daycare in September. Yeah. It was rough. It turns out we're still in a pandemic. Yeah. Turns out. Um, so we are back and we have a... We're going to talk about this in a minute, but we have a very, very full next few months for you because I feel like everything that got postponed last year is all coming out in like a six week period. That is entirely accurate. Um, one of those things, I'm not sure what the release date is for this. I should have looked up beforehand, but I was just so excited about what, what came out. So we'll, we'll talk, we'll start with news, obviously, as usual. Um, yesterday... Netflix released a clip from the upcoming live action Cowboy Bebop series. Yes. Called The Lost Sessions. We're getting a trailer next week, I think. This was sort of like, this is what the show is going to look like, I think. And it's so fucking cool. Yeah. (laughs) Like, John Cho looks awesome. Everyone looks awesome. (sighs) I'm, I'm so excited. I like, I was like, Okay, nobody talked to me about anything else except, except this clip for the rest of time, basically. And the Cowboy Bebop account replied to me and went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, I feel like we've waited a long time for the perfect combination of, like, actor and character for John mm-hmm. Cho. Like, not that he hasn't done amazing stuff, because obviously he has, but this feels so perfect to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can see I don't know much about Cowboy so we cow, Cowboy Bebop so we will probably be talking about that when this gets closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. uh, I'm excited to hear you excited about it. This is I'm that's excited like, to learn more. Like... I'm excited for John Cho to be doing more. Like right? that's honestly what makes me excited. I know. I feel like it just looks cool as hell and yes, more, more. Uh the other big big stuff that happened is all DC fandom which all yeah. happened last weekend. So if DC fandom is basically like DC trying to make their stuff, like their properties an event. And I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. There's a lot of excitement over it. Really good job. They had a ton of stuff. I mean, it's funny because I actually think more stuff and more exciting news came out of DC fandom than came out of New York Comic Con. Yeah. Which happened two weeks ago. Um Granted, yeah, I didn't feel this. like anything. I don't yeah. think anything came out of a New York Comic Con. I'm not sure if it's because it's virtual or these huge properties, uh, Marvel, uh, DC, and Star Trek uh, are kind of moving to their own mm-hmm. own events to announce their stuff. Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of the two, right? Like, it's there was like the thing I was paying attention to and was excited about was, of course, the Wheel of Time stuff, which yeah. they did release a scene from the new series, which I'm. We'll, we'll talk more about later um, because we will be doing at least an episode on the show when the when the first uh, few episodes drop. But yeah, everything else, because yeah, you're right. It's like D23. Um, I wonder if at some point, I'm sure they will. I'm sure freaking Amazon is going to do their own at some point. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to the Comic-Cons when it's yeah. not. Like, I don't know if the CW is ever going to do their own thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, it is interesting to see these bigger studio, these studios and the franchises kind of moving to their own stuff. 
they don't have to worry about fitting in with all the other stuff. They get to right. make this huge event. And so to that end, DC fandom had a ton of news drop and yeah. like, you know, we're both not like super DC people. I feel like no, we're not... I would like to, it, it's one of those things I would like to be more of a DC person. Um, but DC, I think got more welcoming to audiences like us after I kind of yes. stepped back from comics for a while because I had kind of traumatic experiences with previous job. <laughs> Um, and so I have not experienced that kind of DC renaissance as a result. And so, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm really excited about what they're doing. Yeah, I think having the shows on like HBO Max is super helpful. And I actually, I did just download uh, the free trial for the DC Universe Comics app. Okay. For the first okay. time, because like, I've had Marvel Unlimited for like seven years, I feel like. Yeah. And DC was just very slow on the uptake. Um, but I am, I'm going to dig into it, I think this week and see if it's worth, worth it. For yeah. Me. I like, really want to read Willow's run. Yeah. Um, and Wonder there's Woman. Some, yeah, there's some other stuff I would really like to read. Um, but yeah, also- cause it's like, I feel like there have been years of like people getting excited about specific DC books, whether it's like Mer- Mr. Miracle or, or like Aquaman Midnighter, or, Aquaman, yeah. Nightwing. Oh, no, it was Aquaman, it was Midnighter. I'm thinking Midnighter. Of, yeah, like, um, and specific, it, it wasn't an excitement about DC as a whole as much as specific writers doing really cool things yeah. at DC or with DC characters. And now I think there is no it is Aquaman. Kelly C. Duconic did Aquaman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um um Steve Orlando did Midnighter back in the day. Um and but yeah, I think now there's an excitement of DC as a whole, like there was mm-hmm. about Marvel maybe five year five to ten years yes. ago. Yeah, you're and right. And I've kind of missed the boat on that. So I'm excited for the <laughs> the and not that I can't catch up, but like, just it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard, hard, and I still have trouble reading comics because it kind of brings back some PTSD. So like, there is some like like especially like this kind of serialized storytelling in comics. So there is some, uh, it's it's it's, I, I'm getting there. But so it's nice that they that this fandom event was exciting because it brought in a lot. Like it wasn't just the comics or the, you know, the movies, but it was also video games. Yeah, it was everything. So I think what we are going to focus on, because this episode is actually about Star Trek, mm-hmm. um, is sort of just a few beats of the DC fandom. So one thing, speaking of video games, I was super excited about was the Gotham Knights story trailer. Because I have been so really excited about this game for a long time. Yes. Um, but got really excited about it when Christopher Sean, who did the mm-hmm. voice of... Uh, Kaz in Star Wars Resistance yes. um, was announced as the voice of Nightwing. So, like, that's what really got me, like, oh, not just, like, oh, I, I I could be interested in playing this game, but, like, oh, like, when is this game coming out I really want to play? So it feels like it's been forever since then. I, I'm sure there are pandemic-related delays. I think it was For originally sure. supposed to come, about, about in tw- come out in 2020. It was. They announced the game at DC Fandom 2020, I believe. And so we all thought it was going to come out this year. And then it got delayed, which is fine. Like, take yeah. the time you need. Take Don't overwork your creatives. Yes. Like, do what you need to do. But I did, for some reason, over the summer, I was like, oh, that that game's coming out in November. I just decided. Yeah, you, like, like, like we had this, okay, so we had this discussion because she was like, oh, I only have, like, three weeks until I think, like, Gotham Knights comes out and I don't really know what I want to play. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I looked it up and I was, I was like, like, I don't think you're right <laughs> no I was wrong it was a it was a rude awakening I was pretty bummed out for a little while yeah but, <laughs> but <laughs> they did release this amazing story trailer um for the game which so now we kind of know 
what some of the story leading into it is, which is the Court of Owls, which I am, again, as not a DC person, not super okay. familiar with. I read D- D- Court of Owls was the first DC run I read, like, oh, dang. in earnest. Yeah, when I, um, Scott Snyder followed me on Twitter and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, sir. Yeah. And so, like, I went out and picked up Court of Owls. It's fantastic. So I was really excited to see is a fantastic run really well done just very different like one of the things I haven't always loved about Batman is the obsession with the Joker because I don't Mm -hmm. find him as compelling as a lot and I think there's a there's a real like I just I don't find him as compelling as a lot of people so I really really liked this run like I'd read some of the other Batman stuff but it was always Mm -hmm. like you know the Joker basically so this was I'm a big fan of this run all right maybe uh, that will bump to the top of my like week yeah. three of DC universe. Yeah. It's it's really well done. It's very, I mean, it's DC Batman. It's dark, but like yeah. it's good. It's something different. It's it's creative storytelling. I I feel like the the trailer did a really good job with like the a look at what the both the like aesthetic that's going to be of the game and some of the action. You know, like I can't wait to play as any of these characters. I think it's going to be so so fun. Provided it's not too hard. Like, I hope yeah. they have a really good easy mode. <laughs> I think they will. Um, my guess is it is, I feel like studios are really catching on to mm-hmm. the fact that like, especially a, like a franchise style game like this, where yeah. a lot of people who are going to be playing aren't necessarily either hardcore gamers or hardcore DC fans. Like, yes. this is going to ap- appeal to a wide swath of people. And from what I've seen and what I've experienced, like people are starting to, it's not always, they don't always put the most effort into easy mode, but it's always an option. Yeah. Almost. I feel like it does seem based on some of the visuals in the game that they are influenced by the Spider-Man PS4 game, um, which gives me hope because that yeah. game was such a delight to play. Not I just would not be surprised if that was one of their straight, their main inspirations because mm-hmm. it's just such, so successful. Although the Arkham, series was also very successful from yeah what I understand. but the Arkham series is so I I play I tried to play that first one I remember and was mm-hmm. just I just like couldn't do it I There's just couldn't one that's on like the PS4 you know like the, the the core collection or whatever if you have PS plus you get a bunch of free games oh yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. think there was one of them on there so I've been like I downloaded it and I've been meaning to like give it a try at some point um, I feel like those my husband are the loved those games they're they're the story is so good that they're the ones that I look up on YouTube and I'm like, I'll okay. just watch someone else play this game. And Are so I hard? get to experience the story. <laughs> Are yeah. they really hard? Okay. Well, for me, it was like, I think you and I are similar in that we are not great at like button combos. Yeah. And like <laughs> having to use a bunch of gadgets when you're fighting. Yeah. Like that to me so is. Do I take out my grappling hook? Right. Or do I put on my like brass knuckles? It's <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't care. Don't just know. punch the guy. Just punch and hit him. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want to do. Yeah. I was like, I can't even remember what order the PlayStation buttons are in. Oh my God. Okay. So I've, I know triangle and X, but like, I always get square like, and circle. Yeah. Square and circle messed up. And it's like, oh my God. There's like in, in Ghost of Tsushima, there's that like um, the bamboo trials. Yes. Oh where you have God. to do the buttons in the right order. And like, when I tell you every single one of them, I would have to do pretend to do like five times before I would do it for real it's so hard it's it's, it's hard to be to have really terrible hand-eye coordination and a really terrible memory and enjoy playing video games 
our lives are so hard. They are. <laughs> um, the okay. The other, I think, big stuff for us because there's like a ton of news a lot um, of stuff. and stuff that like we will probably watch and engage with. But the two big things are both Batman related. Uh, one is in the Flash trailer for that long, 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 long-awaited Ezra Miller Flash movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Keaton is back as Batman. Who knew? What? How many birds can Michael... How many flying creatures can Michael Keaton play Mm -hmm. in a small amount of time? Interestingly, for those of you who have toddlers and are in the throes of this, as I am, Michael Keaton voiced the villain for uh, the first Cars movie. What? A car named Chick Hicks. What? And my son is now is is obsessed with Chick Hicks, and he will walk around holding the like Michael Keaton car and be like Chick Hicks, Chick Hicks. <laughs> and like I can't think of Michael Keaton now without thinking of like Chick Hicks, and it's I oh it just my, God. my life is cars. This is I relate everything back to cars now. Yeah, the six degrees of cars, but it I always know. works because everybody's does. in a freaking cars movie. Apparently. Everybody is in a cars movie, like Carrie Washington. <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. Everybody is in a cars movie. Like, it mm. is like, um, it is. But anyway, yeah, very sad about <laughs> Michael Keaton being back as Batman. I don't think Michael Keaton's coming back as Chick Hicks, but very excited about Michael Keaton. I am very curious as to like, I, I, it looks like it's like a, a multi-universe situation. Yeah. And I actually don't I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I agree. And it makes it more accessible and you can kind of just pick and choose the characters you want to engage with, which I think is a good thing. I agree. Um, I am interested in what the story is going to be. Like, I think the teaser we saw was interesting. Um, I know DC movies tend to be hit or miss. I still have not seen either the Justice League or the, like, Snyder Cut of the Justice League. I have seen the original Justice League. I have not watched the Snyder Cut. And I probably will at some point, but... um... I know. It's just hard to find, like... It's like four hours. Four long. hours, yeah. I would like to. I would. I would genuinely like to watch it. Um, Same. It's on my then, list. I haven't seen Aquaman either, and that's a big one I want to see. And there's uh, another one that came out that didn't get a lot of press. Another DC movie that I can't remember. Cyborg something. Cy- Cyborg? Something. No. No. What? I know there. Were, well, Wonder there's, Woman. There's one I'm thinking of, and I can't think of it. And I'll remember. There it. are like there are, like I loved Shazam. Like there are pieces. Yeah, of like, Shazam. I haven't seen. Yeah, um, Shazam is very very fun. And so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what because I think DC does tend to allow their creators behind the movie. Um, maybe now this might not be true, but it seems like it could potentially be true. A little more control over the like tone and feel and whatever of the movies um which means they are they might be a little bit more disparate than some of the mcu movies but we'll see i'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to it um, i watched the- birds of prey i was texting oh yeah preview, birds of prey is amazing and, uh, yeah. i watched birds of prey for the first time and i was like 
I want to say like, why didn't anybody tell me this was this good? But like everybody literally told me it was just good. So I can't hide behind that. But like like it was was so much better than (laughs) I'm like, I'm a little bit frustrated. It was so much better than James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which was very good. I enjoyed it, but it was so much better. And I was like, James Gunn is getting credit for a lot of things. That Birds of Prey did first. That Birds of Prey did first. Yeah, I agree. I'm very Um, like, because again, I'm with you. I enjoyed that Suicide Squad movie. I had a good time watching it, but Birds of Prey was better. Yeah, it was. It was I better. Just, uh, whatever. Um, but um, the other big, 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 big drop, of course, was the trailer for Matt Reeves' The Batman. Yep. Um, with Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. as our cowled crusader. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll watch it. I gotta say, I was pretty hyped for this movie because I love Robert Pattinson. He's such a freaking weirdo. He is like, such a weirdo. I love how weird he is. He's so weird. Uh, there's this like meme going around that's like, who would you cast in Matt Reeves' Batman as the Joker? And I was like, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Let him play both characters. It will be amazing. Um, but the trailer I found to be pretty like, eh. Like it just felt repetitive. Yeah. Right? And it sucks because I like Zoe Kravitz. I like Jeffrey Wright. Like I was super excited for this idea of like a, like a really noir- Batman and it feels more and and obviously this is the first teaser it could not be this but the trailer felt very like mid-2000s edgelord to me so the problem with Batman I think is we've had it's not like other franchises necessarily where we have we have had fantastic Batman yes and that's kind of the problem yeah you're right it's like you know what I mean like the Michael Keaton Batman the Christian Bale Batman like we have had fantastic Mm-hmm. we've had bad 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 movies too yes be real but then we have already had like really high highs part of the problem like part of the thing with the spider like you can talk about multiple spider-man movies but in and and there were really good and bad things about each iteration mm-hmm. but you didn't really nail the like yeah, spider-man teenager until the newest movies with tom holland whereas batman they've already yes you know so now it's it's hard to reinvent after yeah. that but like though i i just wanted i don't know and again, this was like the first teaser. Maybe it was yeah, like no, yeah, a misdirect, absolutely. whatever. But I was just really, I was hoping for something that would reinvent because that's how it felt. All the conversation around the Batman was yeah. that it was about reinventing this character. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe it'll be great. I'm keeping my, my hopes up and... I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Like, yeah. I want, like, we... I think we've said this before, but we want the DC universe to do well. Yes. And so like, I really want a good, like good, like move content out of this. Give me, you know, There's so, so like much good story. There's so many yeah. good animated films. Like mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the stuff is there. It's just getting a handle on it. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think <laughs> my, my biggest critique of the DC fandom is there was not enough Nightwing for my liking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, fair i think that's always a fair criticism like they they did release i still haven't had time to watch them but the first two episodes of the new season of young justice which i'm very excited okay. about but i was looking through hbo max the other night because i was like i feel like watching a dc animated movie i cannot believe there isn't a solo focus movie on night on nightwing like i feel like they're leaving money on the table yeah like that that's wild to me i mean there are a lot of incredible like Young Justice or Teen Titans or whatever, like those those characters exist in the films. And Nightwing, of course, shows up in like a bunch of Batman movies. But 
it just blows my mind. He's such a popular character and has so many successful comic runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't believe there's not like a dedicated Nightwing animated movie. It's really surprising to me. So anyways, DC. Yeah, DC. Do it. Um, okay, so now for some housekeeping stuff for us. We are going to have a, uh, part of the reason we took off September besides my, you know, we or we felt okay taking off September because of my daycare drama um, is uh, because we are, I think we're going to have a relatively intense uh, release schedule for the next three months or so. Yeah. I would, I would be surprised if it was less than twice a month. Yes. Because we've got Shang-Chi, which is uh, drops on no- Disney plus on November 12th, Hawkeye, Wheel of Time, The Eternals, which we're probably, we're not going to cover in theatrical, but uh, we will cover as soon as it drops on Disney plus in a mm-hmm. month or two. Uh, Spider-Man, The Matrix, Book of Boba Fett. Uh, the whole Star Trek franchise is going to be running for the next probably year straight. So um, there's a lot. And there's a lot more like, you know, like Mandalorian Season 3 at some point. Yep. Uh, Ahsoka. Like there's a lot coming oh, that we God. don't have release dates. Yeah, there's a lot coming we don't have release dates for that <laughs> we're probably going to get release show. dates. <laughs> yeah, the Cassie and Andor show with I believe just wrapped filming. So that's coming probably sometime soon. Uh, the Obi-Wan show. Oh like, my God. I you know, like there's going to be a lot <laughs> and we're definitely not going to limit ourselves to one episode a month if there's a lot of really good stuff to cover. So, so that, much. yeah, there's so much. So that being said, like when there are downtimes and nothing to talk about, we're probably not going to manufacture stuff to talk about. And we'll just <laughs> let it lie because we'll then we'll end up doing like three episodes in three weeks. Yeah. I do feel like like this, the like everything that got postponed is now bumped to yeah. like mm-hmm. now. Um, but it has felt difficult. I feel like over the last like 10 months ish. Yeah. To like where we entered the dearth of like, nothing really being nothing major being released in an accessible way for us to be able to discuss it yeah because everything was uh, whatever everything is the way it is it is and yes so that's so but there's going to be a lot of stuff coming from us for the next three months so i hope you are not hope you are not sick of us i guess like (laughs) i don't know we're gonna be we're gonna have a lot of thoughts so we um, we are (laughs) And then along with housekeeping, those housekeeping updates, uh, we know we are very behind on Patreon and we are going to send out everyone's Patreon rewards by the end of the year, just in one lump, whether you are, you know, just in one lump sum. And we highly apologize. This is us just, we have all the stuff. We just. It is. Yeah, it's it's just, it's been, things have been, things have been bad. But anyway, that's not a good excuse. So we will get our stuff together and ship those out. Send everything out. And we we very much appreciate you. We do. Um, Also, we are doing a holiday card again this year. Yes. We don't know what the theme is yet. Obviously, last year was hanging out with our favorite Space Daddy Marshall, Cobb Mm -hmm, Vanth, mm -hmm. in the dunes of Tatooine. Mm -hmm. Um, Who knows what this year will be? I don't know. We, like, we haven't really thought too much about it. So, like, maybe Star Trek. Who knows? I don't know. Although, mm, I woke up at like so. We are we're gonna talk about yeah. a lot of lead up TNG this lead is up a Star to Trek. This is Star Trek episode. I'm very excited. Yeah, and I will say just as a brief aside, I woke up at five in the morning with a nightmare after watching First Contact for the first time, yes. which I did not know was a scary movie. <laughs> I forgot to warn her. Yeah, because I've seen it like 85 times. It was um, terrifying. And with that, I guess we'll just get straight into our discussion. So. Yeah. Okay, so our discussion today, we decided basically pre we we've had some trailers now for Star Trek Picard season two, and we did this a little bit with Star Trek Picard season one, just kind of like what is the background you need to know going into season two, and 
granted, we don't know when season two is airing sometime in, or my guess is sometime in early 2022. I know season two wrapped a couple of, like a month ago. So early 2022 is my guess, but we still don't know. But because we had this month, you know, and we're still in the calm before the media storm, we thought we would go ahead and do this episode. And then um, we'll, we'll remind you all it exists before Picard season two drops. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the things I kind of hit on from the trailers and the teasers that we've gotten so far, A, Q is back. Mm-hmm. B, one of the lines in the first teaser we saw where they told us Q is back. I, I think that was the one is they, uh, is it's a line from the, Series finale of Star Trek The Next Generation, which is The Trial Never Ends. Ooh. <laughs> so that, and so the idea is the trial is still ongoing, which we will get into that if you're like, what is the trial? Um, but, so that was the second one thing. The third thing is that we know it's a, tra- we know there's some sort of time travel involved and it's something to do with like fixing the past or like changing the past to fix the present. Something goes wrong in the present timeline they have to change the past to fix the present. Um, and we know that the mechanism, we think that the mechanism, the hints that they drop is that the hint is that the mechanism they use to travel through time is the Borg and the Borg Queen. So with all of that, the episodes I chose for us, if you're a Next Gen fan, you'll know these. If not, the whole point of this is to kind of discuss the themes in these episodes of for people who aren't super familiar with Next Gen, but hopefully if you are a huge fan, you will also get some um, delight out of previous reactions to this stuff. <laughs> so we did the um, Encounter at Farpoint. We just did the, f- which is the premiere of Star Trek, uh, first episode of the first season, um, Star Trek The Next Generation. So we only did like the first 30 or so minutes of the episode, just the tri- where Q puts mm-hmm. them on trial. Then we did the episode Tapestry, which is season six, episode 15. Um, which is another Q episode that people sometimes forget is a Q episode. Like it's not kind of because it's Q is not in the name, maybe. Um, then we did All Good Things, parts one and two, which is the series finale of The Next Generation. And then we did Star Trek First Contact. So those are the episodes we watched. Um, I think it was your first time watching most of these. Yeah, I had seen like, I I think like years and years and years ago when Next Gen first came on to Netflix, I was like, oh, I'll watch these because I watched them when I was little with my mom, but like, I don't really remember much. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Netflix was like, you've watched this. And I was like, I don't remember anything yeah. okay. at so, all. <laughs> um, okay, so Encounter at Farpoint the first yes. episode of the first season, it basically, the show, entire show opens. You don't under, like, un, I think, like, unless you really go back and watch it, like, even me, I forgot what a pivotal figure Q is throughout what? the entire series, even though he isn't in a lot of episodes. It's wild. He starts out, the the whole series starts out with Q. Yes. Like, I didn't realize that mm-hmm. at all. It's, it's like, like before they even it. go on their main mission, they meet mm-hmm. Q. Like, like he before is, like, the, Riker. Yeah. You meet Yeah, Q. before they introduce... Yeah. It's bananas. Before you meet Riker, before I think you meet Dr. Crusher. Yeah. You meet Q. Yes. It was um, truly... I was like like eight minutes in. I like joked about this on Twitter, but like Q shows up within like four minutes of the episode starting. Yeah. It's just like on deck, like teasing Picard. And eight minutes in, Worf is like, I'm going to kick your ass. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's the that's the running theme of so good. Worf and Q. I love so it. Good. And I, I wish we'd have been able to include some of the like more fun Q episodes because I mean, Tapestry is kind of a fun episode in some ways. It's a fun ways, episode, but, like, but it's a dark one. But we didn't get to, yeah, but we didn't get to do, like, Cupid, where, like, they all got transported to Sherwood Forest. Like, those are, the, those are the episodes I love. But, um, so, yeah, so, and basically the whole premise of this Q, this episode is that Q, the Q has decided that um, humanity should not exist anymore. Yeah. So wait, can you, can we step back and can you kind of give us a one-liner explanation as to what Q is? Because Q is not like a person, but Q is, Q is a collect, like it's very confusing. Okay. Yeah. So there's the Q, there is Q and the Q. So the Q continuum is a, this race of omnipotent beings that are all powerful as far as we know. We don't know what the limits of Q's power is. That is something I would actually really love to explore at some point. Mm-hmm. So it's not like like people worship them because they seem to have god-like powers. And, you know, by any definition, they seem to be gods. Like, right. not, you know, not necessarily like worthy. gods, of, maybe. Yeah, not necessarily worthy of worship, but they seem to be all-powerful. We have seen some, the only, no, the only limit of their powers that I know of is that they cannot kill themselves. Mm-hmm. There's a whole storyline in Voyager that goes into this. Mm-hmm. Um, or they may have the power to kill themselves if the other Q will not let them. Like okay. there are rules and things that govern the Q continuum. And Q, the being we know is Q, constantly flouts them. So he is not a, in the next generation, it, changes once you see him in Voyager but in the next in next gen he is not like a responsible member of the Q continuum he is like the Loki to the like you know he is the like mischief create always creating mischief always creating chaos he is the mm-hmm. agent of chaos so he is so as far as we know he is this all-powerful omnipotent being but who has absolutely no moral compass and no compunction about toying with or testing or you know like or blinking out of existence beings Uh he sees as lesser than himself which is basically everyone yep so that's so that is q um and the q continuum and And this is who shows up five minutes into the very first episode because q did not exist in the original series right Mm, so there's ish there's an there's an episode called the squire of gothos of the original series with a with a being called trelane who had similar q like powers but was never called a q but okay but could have been a q but like this is the first explicitly this is the first explicit q this is kind of our first introduction to something called the like the q continuum that there is this race of all powerful beings um it's a very big idea to mm-hmm. choose to kick off a series with um mm-hmm. because it's literally like i said five minutes in this kicks off q is like okay you're on trial for all of humanity and yes. it's like uh picard diana troy um data because mm-hmm. i do want to talk about data's relationship to the relationship between q and picard mm-hmm because I think it's very interesting how he's sort of this like third node that isn't mm-hmm. a part of the relationship, but is absolutely necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Tasha Yar. Who, and Tasha Yar, who I yeah. did not know. Yeah. As a character. You were like, who 
is this? I was like, oh yeah, she's uh, she dies at the end of the first season. So if you mm-hmm. aren't super familiar with Next Gen, you might not know her. But um, so them four get put on trial, which also I think is interesting that Data gets put on trial for yeah, humanity. For humanity, it was very like the, and technically Troy is not Deanna. Troy is not human either. Or she is right? Betazoid. That's what I thought. She's had so Betazoid. It was a choice. Like, I feel like it was a very specific choice that it was these three characters who would be with Picard when he sits in this room of, um, it's like medieval hecklers and like random people from other areas, all humanoid, but questionable as if they're like real or representations of what he wants them to exist as. Yeah, and I think there is something to be said, and part of this is just the way Next Gen was written at the beginning of the series, that human is very humanity-centric. Like, very, like, humanity is a catchword for, like, all of these races that might not be human, but right. look humanish, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and so that's also partially probably bad writing. Um, <laughs> it's It does remind me of, like, my mom's biggest beef with, like, the new Star Wars movies. And she's like, why does everyone look like a human? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's pretty much, you know, um, but I think it is interesting that Q takes like them th- kind of through like the, some different violent periods in human history. And is like, you haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. And Picard says, no, we have changed. We're more enlightened. Um, you know, we are more, which is not actually true. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's better, you know, like better values and stuff. But if you if you look at the course of, you know, next like, gen DS9, mm-hmm. Voyage, you know, like, are we? like <laughs> but the point is that we deserve the chance to become better. Right. And to improve. Like what one what is true of humanity is we are trying to constantly we are gener- generally speaking, trying to constantly improve ourselves, become better people, aspire to more. And I think Picard's the most powerful part of Picard's argument is I just des- we deserve the chance. Yeah, and so this, uh, this the 30 minutes of this episode, which are this trial, sort of end not in any sort of verdict, but with Picard being like, give us give us the chance to prove yeah. it, essentially. And then because... so the rest of the episode, <laughs> like, which we didn't, yeah, which we did not watch. Um, oh, well, I mean, I've seen it, but like, I was just like, the rest of it is basically just Q, uh, them trying to figure out what's going on at this mysterious space station and Q heckling Picard. Right. You know, being like Does it end with him giving any sort of verdict or no? Um, no. It no, basically right? ends with Picard figuring out the mystery and allowing these, like, freeing these space creatures. And Q's just like, all right, okay. Like, okay, I'm not going to trouble you again. Interesting. And yeah, it's very just, okay, like, all right. Um, but, like, it's we'll just, be watching. But, we, you know, he does leave with the we'll be watching. And it's a strong, it's a very strong premise. Yeah, a very strong, immediate partnership between Picard and Q, and mm-hmm. sort of like it—it's a building block, like of an entire series. Is this relationship, which I didn't—I don't know. I like I like I said, like I don't remember watching this premiere. Like I don't—I didn't remember any part of it. But like that to me is a big, big deal. And I think feel like people forget that the relationship with Q is not entirely antagonistic. No, it's, it's not. not entirely like the episode. And to be fair, the episodes we watch do emphasize the fact that Hugh likes Picard yeah, and he wants is, to help him. Yes. And he, but there is respect. There is, you know, even you know, some like a genuine affection. But 
you know, more often than not, he's just being chaotic. Um, But I think, I think the episodes that we watched really show the other side of that relationship. Um, And then moving on to tapestry, which is the reason I chose this one is it's, there are two reasons. First Q second Q giving Picard the chance to make a different decision and Mm -hmm. seeing how, like, I think that that will, that kind of the idea that you make a different decision or you, you know, you change some of the things that you regret, but then the, it will change the present irrevo- irrevocably. Um, talk about a word I write a lot, but don't say out loud a lot. Wow. Uh, and so I think I think that's going to come into play. I think one of the things that's going to happen in the new season is they're going to have to go back in time to change things to restore the present. So I think this was really important um, for uh, that, but also to like kind of just see that relationship between Q and Picard yeah like, yeah go ahead. it was it was um what I liked about this episode and what it gave insight to is one that Picard oh, I hit my own mic um is that Picard it shows Picard's fallibility in in context of Q and mm-hmm this idea like the the gray right this whole episode is so much about the gray because q like you said is not all good or all bad he's chaotic but there is something in him that wants picard to succeed as as much as he teases him as much as he puts him in these terrible situations there is that piece of him that wants him to do to do well and to mm-hmm. succeed and we'll see a lot of that in the series finale um but this is a care this ep- this whole episode is a character study of Picard. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like if you are watching Picard and you enjoy Picard, if you don't watch any of the other ones, I would watch this one because it gives mm-hmm. you so much insight into who he is as a person because it shows us like how this one decision he made when he was like 21 was transformative in making him the person who he was, this like brush with death he has. Like he at 21 is much more cavalier, is like sort of making choices he might not make as an older person, but he does make that choice to fight these three aliens, one of whom stabs him in the back. So he has this electrical heart because the episode starts with that electrical heart failing Mm -hmm. and Picard dying on the table. Mm -hmm. And that's when Q steps in is like, Hey, here's an option. Try to change it. So Picard goes back in time as his 21 year your old self makes different choices. Which also, can I just say, I love the fact they didn't try to recast him. Yes. And I love the fact that they didn't try to, they didn't have the technology then to de-age him. So yes. it was just the old person appearing young to everybody else except the viewer. It's, and it's, it's very It effective. worked really well. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's a moment where he looks in the mirror and he's like, I still look like an old man. And Q's kind of like, not to everyone else. And that's it. That's all they need. Yeah. That's, that's all they need. Um, but he goes back in time and he makes different choices and ends up not getting in the fight, losing one of his best friends because he doesn't support him. And then he becomes sort of like, by all accounts, this person who has grandiose ideas for what he can accomplish, but is never able to do so. Yeah. According to, um, Riker, cause we go back into the future and he's just a Lieutenant now. He's not a captain. Mm-hmm. And you see the kind of person he's become is not the person they need him to be. Yeah, and, and he's so he, like he's a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. And so he has to go back in time and make the same choice. And he doesn't, the key here is that I don't think he regrets it. Yeah. Like he doesn't regret putting himself in a position to, even though he knows it will lead to him dying, he still does it. 
because it's the right thing to do. And it means that he'll be in the position to make the choices he needs to make to make sure he can save people much later down the line. Yeah. It's and a it's, really good episode. It's a really good, and I feel like it's one of those underrated. It's always been one of my favorites, but I feel like it is a very underrated episode. Um, and I think it shows a lot between of how Q feels about Picard. Like, yep. The, it, it is uncharacteristically generous of Q to take Picard back through this and give him the chance to relive this and recognize that something he thought was a re- a huge regret he's had all of his life isn't actually a regret. Yeah. Oh, and then letting so him good. live at the end and not be forcing him to right? live in that white space with Q. Q. Q is like, okay, make this choice and then we're going to hang out with each other for eternity. Yes. Which <laughs> is the choice that Picard thought he was making. Oh, I love it. It's so funny. Like, I, I have to say, like, like, 15 minutes into the first episode of the first season, I was like, people ship, people must ship them. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sure. Like, 100%. It's not for me personally but I see it and there Mm -hmm. there is this very strong connection between the two of them and I think honestly if Q was gender bent at the time they would have had more explicit romantic like a more explicit uh romantic connection I absolutely agree right like Mm -hmm. it would have been antagonistic still but there would have been more like flirting. Um, well, they flirt a lot, actually. They flirt so But there would have been more, like, overt flirting. Yes. Sexual. Like, like it would it would have been overly sexualized. I agree. I agree. Wholeheartedly. You can't even call what they do. It's it's not that it's not overt. It's not sexualized explicitly. Yes. And it would have been, I think. Um, yeah, it was a really good episode. Like, yeah. it was just, it was really strong. It was really strong character work. And I'm very excited to see now... Um, kind of how that the seeds of that episode will show up in the new season of Picard. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and then moving on to all good things one and two, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory why I picked this one. It's the natural follow-up to you know the trial at yeah. our point because we revisit the trial again. We found out the trial never actually ended, and Picard the continuum has been watching Q. And here's an interesting thing too: in Encounter at Far Point, Q. You know, it, it makes it sound like he's acting by himself. Like, he has decided to put yeah. humanity on trial. And all good things, it it's seems not. like it's the continuum yes. that's been now watching. Yes. Um, because there's sometimes that Q comes back to um, in a few times that Q returns in early next gen and is like, oh, yeah, the continuum hates me because I create a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. And there's one, one point Deja Q, he gets kicked out entirely for creating too much chaos. So it's not clear in that first episode whether he's operating on behalf of the continuum or not, but in all good things, he absolutely is. And it's the entire continuum that have decided that uh, humanity should cease to exist. Yeah, it's very, it's, there's so much that happens. So like, basically, in the, in the series finale, um, first of all, I need to get this out of the way. Deanna Troy and Worf dating was like, I was what? Like, what? Worf's track record with women is shocking. Considering he's just like a grumpus. Like, he's he's so like, Klingon. Yeah, and like, like, Kalar, who, you know, she is she's in a couple episodes of the next gen. Deanna Troy and then Jadzia Dax. Like, these are all very attractive women. Like, it was just, I, I was very surprised by it because I've always, like, Riker and Deanna Troy, like, that's, 
that's the connection. And so in the series finale, I was just, I was floored, I will say. Um, But so basically the whole series finale is Picard realizing he is moving through time, Mm -hmm. like not physically, but like presumably mentally where uh, he's either far future. jumping consciousnesses. Yeah, jumping consciousnesses to far future where he is an old man in a vineyard, which I was like, what? Uh, What is the kind of standard current time? And then back to his first days on the Enterprise, which is where the series begins. Mm -hmm. And he can't figure out why and no one believes him and all this stuff. Um, but he eventually figures out there's this anomaly happening because Q tells him, he eventually figures out Q is involved because Q shows up. Well, I think he figures out Q is involved, is involved when Q doesn't show up in, in like, in, oh, yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, but because he he's just like, Q, seeing, where are you? He keeps seeing, uh, people who are jeering at yes, him. At first, that, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't make the connection, mm-hmm. but he keeps yeah. seeing people who are jeering at him, like from the trial. And so, yeah, eventually he finds himself back in that spot where that trial happened seven years earlier. And Q is kind of like, it never stopped, bro. Still going. You are going to end humanity, essentially. Uh, And so Picard has to figure out what is going on. And what you see is like Q in hints is helping him so much because he, like there's no reason push. he needs to be like moving right? back and forth through time there's no reason q is doing all of the work to make sure picard can save humanity from his own actions right mm-hmm. and so there's this like whole anomaly thing that's happened and he has to it it what happened is there i did laugh really hard when data was like it's anti-time yeah yeah <laughs> The whole, and the whole like paradox, like because it yeah. doesn't. And if you step back and think about the episode, it doesn't actually make any sense. No, it and doesn't it's not make supposed sense. to. Um, but there's this like anti-time anomaly that is growing bigger and bigger the further back in time it goes, causing people to de-age and whatever, regenerate whatever. But at the beginning of time, the beginning of life, it will stop life from beginning essentially. Yeah. And so they have to figure out, Picard particularly has to figure out with much, 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 much help from Data. Mm -hmm. Like Data, there's this moment where no one believes him as when he's an old man because he has this disease that I can't remember the name of. Yeah, it's the same thing basically that he's he's suffering from in In Star Trek Picard, Picard, right? The show, Um, first season. And they're just like, it's probably an hallucination and blah, blah, blah. No one believes him. But he's like kind of trying to get it's actually quite a hard scene to watch. Mm-hmm. He's like they've Because he very him. is coming he very much is coming across as old man yells at Cloud. Yes, like very, very, very much so. Because he's he's been sedated, he's like stumbling out of his room, trying to find like old angry old man Riker, uh, who is the captain of the Enterprise now, and is like stumbling through his words. He can't find the right words to try to convince him. And Data, who is sitting there, is like, Oh yes, okay. Because it never would have worked if it hadn't been for Data being able to parse through what Being able Picard to take away the emotion say. of, like, yeah. the, like, secondhand embarrassment and the, you know, the just, like, all of that that everybody else is feeling and the pity and the, like, yeah. you know, versus, and Data's just like, no, like, he listens to the words and is like, oh. This is what it is. Like, this, this episode would not... The, the end of the episode would never happen without Data. Like, Data is a linchpin in this situation 
they he never in both in figuring out that it's anti-time figuring out how to fix it figuring out like data is the the mvp of this episode as far yeah, as yeah and i think that's a beautiful like way to like lead into the first season of picard too because you do this episode does if you aren't overly familiar with the relationship between picard and data how much picard trusts and relies on him yeah and why it is so devastating for picard to have lost him you know and to feel responsible for his death it's it's really intense and it it when we get to first contact like it it is even more so but for all intents and purposes like the the major relationship in the series finale is between picard and q which made Mm -hmm. me laugh so hard when picard was like he has a fascination with humanity more specifically me yeah it is true (laughs) and it's so true but like that end scene where they're just like it's just the two of them in the trial room and they're just sitting there it's so good and he was like the continuum put you on trial but the rest of it was me yeah like like he it oh i was like sending i my brain is the worst and so it was paralleling supernatural between q q is like an amoral like chaotic castiel yeah to to picard's like thoughtful but also pretty emotional dean winchester yeah (laughs) and i was like i'm the worst but it's there's this line at the end where he was like i like texted you screenshots because i was like what is happening because it's almost like it was like the continuum put you on trial, but I'm the one that got you into it. And there's mm-hmm. this like level of guilt coming from Q that you would not anticipate from this character over the course of this series, right? And he says like, but the help, that part about the helping hand was my idea. Yes, exactly. Like, like he's like, I am responsible for this and I wanted to get you out, help you find your way out of it. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's a really, so good. it's a it's a nuanced, rela- you don't think, if on the surface, this relationship does not look this nuanced, but it really no. is. And that's why I think I'm so excited that he's coming back because it is such a nuanced relationship and there is a lot of mutual respect and admiration and like, but also just like it's, animosity and like, there's so yeah. much, so many emotions there. I'm honestly kind of surprised with how formative Q is for Picard mm-hmm. as a character that he's not in the first season. Like mm-hmm. watching this, because it's literally he bookends the series. Yeah. He is arguably, according to the writers of Next Gen, the most important part of what Picard went through in Next Generation. And I'm I'm kind of like very shocked that they didn't have him be a bigger like didn't have him at all. Yeah, so I think my guess is they wanted him to confront the Borg stuff first. Yeah, no, I get because it. Because the, 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 it's Q, Q is the one thing, and then the Borg are the other thing. Yes, formative. Like it's funny because like Q put him on trial for his his humanity, and mm-hmm. the Borg stripped him of his humanity. Yes, so it's like these two opposing forces almost. If you think about it, yeah. Um, and I think from what I'm guessing and of course I have like no inside information I am just gleaning this from the trailers what I'm guessing the role the Borg are going to have in the second season um my guess is that he they wanted him to as a character to confront the uh the Borg threat first that being said I think the card was originally only conceived of as a one season show that's interesting Mm -hmm. and then they uh they they 
Patrick Stewart like he was pitched to Patrick Stewart as a one season show Mm -hmm. and I think he was so excited about it it extended into multiple seasons it's it's really like I understand it because obviously the Borg have also had an incredible um what's the word impact on Picard's character but I'm I'm surprised it wasn't flipped Right? Like, to lead with the Borg is a surprise to me. Maybe maybe part of it is the Borg is sort of, a, like, a clearer... For people who are coming in new, it's easier to understand the Borg as a villain than it is to expect people to have a depth of understanding about Q. I think that's it, and I think the Borg are very popular. Really? hmm People love the Borg as a Ew. villain. Like, yeah, let's get into that. Let's get into why you just okay. said it. Okay. All right. So Star Trek First Contact, I made a mistake because I did not realize this was Preeky's first time watching this movie. It was a lot I forgot to horrifying. warn you Horrifying. Yeah, there's a lot I forgot to warn you about. Uh, yeah. It is a lot of body horror. Like, um, so much. I started watching it because I did all my watching yesterday. So I, I started watching it. I think I turned it on at like 10.30 or something p.m. And I'm getting into it. And like 30 minutes in, I was like, this movie is so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the reason I picked this movie is there's there's a few reasons. First, the entire premise of this movie is going back in time to fix the... Mm-hmm. Because basically the, the movie is the Borg attack Earth. And then like basically travel back in time to uh, change the first warp flight of Zephyrin Cochran to make sure humanity never achieves warp drive to uh, basically, like basically change the past so they can assimilate earth in the past to make it just easier. So they're not like constantly fighting humans in, in the Federation in the present day. So the premise of the movie is going back in time to change the past and which is, presumably something to do with season two of Picard it's also we also know that they use the reason that Picard knows that Borg have time travel technology is because of this movie a and b this movie is the introduction of the Borg queen uh who let's talk about the Borg queen (laughs) who is going to be in season two I don't think she's going to be a pivotal character but she is going to be in it and it makes sense that there would be a queen because of like drones and hives and stuff like that but yeah that's a very interesting wait i have some questions though i was a little confused at the beginning of the movie so i understand that there's this whole backstory where picard was they attempted to assimilate picard into the borg and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff and he was he's like having this nightmare and there's this attack happening on the big borg cube or whatever um I'm, I don't know if I just missed something while I was watching, but how did the Enterprise end up back in time? Like, how did okay, they... so the basically, the, um, the Borg did assimilate, fully assimilate Picard, and basically used his knowledge against humanity to, to, to create, like, to destroy a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, and we see some of that in... Um, in uh, the first season like there's a lot of trauma mm-hmm. and PTSD surrounding yes. that experience so basically what happened was they go to the earth so he can still like hear sometimes it's going yeah, high, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. a running theme um but they go to earth and the Borg actually are the ones who travel back in time and the Enterprise just follows them oh I'm so. I was like I don't 
I like accepted it with you, whatever. Yeah, because it's, the yeah, premise. whatever. But yeah, but it no, was so just the a, board were the ones who traveled see, back see, in time, and the Picard's like, we gotta follow them. Okay, I see. That makes more sense. I was just like, how did they get here? Um, okay, that was my big question. That I was like, I don't know if I missed something. Or yeah, what I mean, it's, it wasn't like it's. They don't put a lot of importance. They don't put a lot of emphasis on it because, like, at the end of the day, like you said, it's not important. Just, right. You know, go with um, it. So yeah, okay. So this movie. Uh, it was really good. It's a really good movie, it's a but really I really movie. It's better to go in warned that it is. There are some like horror elements, intensive horror. Like mm-hmm. literally, when I tell you I had a nightmare, like I had a nightmare that woke me up. Which, like, yes, I don't like horror movies because I do tend to get very, very scared. But this is one that it's a PG thirteen Star Trek movie, and it is PG thirteen. I think because it is so scary. Like, there's mm-hmm. not pretty violent and there is a lot of body horror like there's a lot of cutting and like that scene where they give data goosebumps I did not like at all yes I was just like like my whole body was cringing and clenching and I was just awful um but what is interesting about this and I do kind of wish I'd watched it before I watched the first season of Picard yeah is this level of understanding of how deeply Picard was affected by his relationship and by his uh, interactions with the Borg. Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. clearly major, major PTSD. Yeah, major trauma, major, like, fundamental, like, um, like trauma. And that's why, like, when he goes in the first season of Picard, when he goes about, about like, onto the Borg cube to see mm-hmm. Hugh that's his first time back on a board cube. And like, yeah. that's why it's so like, he just like freezes up and he's just like the small old man. It's um, very, because it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like that scene is very powerful and it's because like of knowing like what they did to him, they took away his humanity and then used it against him. Yeah. Um, it's, but it, it's literally stripping of agency. And so his anger in this movie is palpable. Mm-hmm. Yep. His anger. And then like, and so the introduction of the board queen, I think most people are like fine with her, but the sexiness is really weird. It's like yes. somebody tweeted at me and I don't remember who it is. So I'm sorry because uh, I wish I did, but somebody was like, I don't like the board queen because it was like, take everything scary about the board, but make it sexy. Yeah, it was. And weird. I get that. And I get that criticism. I It's funny though, because her very first introduction, I was so again, like horrified because like, First of all, when they get da- when they got data, I was like, no, I was like so mortified because again, you have this pivotal relationship, this pivotal character who is one of the most important people in Picard's life, who is just taken right out from under him. Like data is the strongest and most capable crew member when it comes to fighting the Borg because he can resist certain aspects. And so when they take him, it is this absolute moment of terror Um and so he's sitting there and it's data. So he's logically being like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Like my neural pathways cannot be assimilated into the Borg. Like there's nothing you can do for me. Yeah. Like you, there's nothing you can do to me. And then the Borg queen, just the like, the sternum like, up, like in jagged sort of like cut. With the like little like snake spine. Yeah. Like comes down from like floats down from the rafters essentially. And I was too busy being like, this is horrible and more like just like, like skin crawlingly awful that I didn't even notice the sexiness. 
until much later when they make yeah. it explicit, which I did not. Yeah. I agree. I, I wish they hadn't it. a little bit because her is just like, yeah, her is just like revolting, like revolting but fascinating figure is enough. Is like is enough. You don't need right. to you like make need- it sexy. Like, it's enough that they're showing... I understand that they wanted to show that Data is like could tempted. be swayed yeah. by the potential of physical human connection, right? Like, they wanted to show us that, but I think it was enough to allow him to feel. Like, mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt it was far more effective. Her turning on the emotion ship was... Well, the, sh- the moment he gets cut, oh. Yeah. That was, I felt, like, the most effective moment for Data's choice. Where he's, like, cradling the Cradling arm. his arm, and he's bleeding, because he's never felt pain like that before. Yeah. He's never felt something that he can't fix through his computer. And that, to me, was a million times more effective than kissing. Because kissing, I was like, this is uncomfortable to watch. Yes. Like, this is not, there's nothing compelling about this. There's nothing, like... I don't understand like why this is the thing that data is excited about yeah. versus just the potential to feel. Especially because he's had relationships before. Like this right. is not, you know, it, like, it so was very weird. It was, yeah, a weird it was I agree. It was a weird choice and I did not love that aspect of it, but the Borg queen as a character, I think is super interesting. Very interesting. I'm, I will be curious to see how they update the idea of the Borg mm-hmm. queen in, for for 2021 standards yeah like and one of the cool things about voyager is they bring her the board queen back but they're the sexiness is because she's dealing with captain uh with the uh with janeway i want to say captain mulgrew like kate mulgrew yeah yeah, yeah. janeway um yeah she's dealing with captain janeway so you know it's not they don't play that up and so she's a very effective very intriguing villain and so um i'm hoping they kind of lean into that to that route i mean i find mm-hmm. it's it's taking two things that make me very anxious in terms of storytelling tropes which is one uh the idea of assimilation and stripping a character of who they yeah. are is one of my least favorite character tropes because it, it just gives me a lot of anxiety yeah uh, and then two time travel and changing the past yeah i don't know why i have this very intense like aversion to like past changing time travel because mm-hmm. it makes me super anxious and so i I get the horror of the Borg and I, I guess I understand why people find them appealing as villains, mm-hmm. but I much, much, much prefer Q because I find that sort of like slightly more equal relationship yeah. way more interesting than. And I don't like think the that Borg. the Borg are going to be a villain. I think it's going to, they're going to be a tool that Picard uses to get in back in time. I don't actually think that they're going to be a villain necessarily. Good. The villain. They're always going to be a villain. Right. Um, but not but the, I think, the primary I think villain. Q is going to be the story set up. Borg is going to be the way that they accomplish what they need to accomplish. And then the main story is going to be kind of the road not taken, the weight of our choices type situation. Which is That's, like, I'm okay with that, right? Like yeah. seeing how they handled that 25 years ago. Yeah. In like, tapestry, yeah. I'm yes, interested to see how they handle it now. Especially for, like, the individual, like, like seven without the Borg implants. I'm super, like, I'm super interested to see, like, Mm -hmm. how do they play this out? Is, like, them all just going back in time, or do they all have individual experience? Like, it'll be very interesting to see. It will be very interesting. And and just, like, like you said, like, using these two, using the Borg as a tool is interesting. Because they do, just by virtue of what they are, have a level of menace and a level of terror. Yeah. That ex- that coincides with their uh, existence on screen. 
like even I didn't have any of this background knowledge when when I watched the first season, but the Borg still, I was like, no, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like anything about this. (laughs) Yeah. So partnering that sort of effect on the viewer with the unstableness or instability rather of Q's Q's existence in the show is going to be really, I think it's going to be a little bit of a stressful watch. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I definitely think it will be, but. But I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do. Oh, man, I just, that was so scary. I should have warned you better. It was very scary. I I don't think I realized you hadn't seen it before. I think maybe I might have watched it when I was like little. Yeah. If it came out in 96, I was like 12. Yeah. And we might have watched it, but I was not old enough to see it, actually, when it came out. And so I don't know that I did. Like, I remember seeing one Star Trek movie in the theater, but I don't remember what it was. I saw, I, I, I definitely, I definitely saw all of them in theater. So I saw that I one in theater. I don't remember I it. Them. I don't remember seeing it in theater, but I, I know I saw it because I saw it them all. It was so scary. But it was like, like I said, it's a really great, because everyone's really good in it, right? Yeah. Like there are these wonderful moments. And there are really funny moments. Yes. Like the, like, you know, Zephyr Cochran is great. Deanna uh, getting drunk Yeah, Deanna awesome. getting drunk. She's, she plays her, sometimes getting drunk is really annoying on screen, but she does no, it really she's well. she's very funny. Very, very funny. Also, so many people are in it, which mm-hmm. I was like, "What?" Alfred like, Bird. I heard, I heard Adam Scott's voice. He's only in it for like a second, but I heard his voice, and I was like, "That's Adam Scott." What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy who uh, plays the guy, the old McDonough, Damian Dark. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's he's in is it. He, I was, yeah, he is Damian Dark. Okay, he's yeah, Damian yeah, Dark. Yeah. I was fully expecting him to go evil the entire time, like the entire well, time. Well, like, he kind of does. Yeah, but after, I was like, oh, just by virtue of who he plays in all of the shows I watch, like, whether it's, like, Justified or, like, the CWDC shows, like, whatever, I was, like, just fully expecting him to betray the Enterprise. <laughs> Not his fault. Just, yeah, just because of that's who he plays. You know, that's who you play. But then he, he, not until he got assimilated and then was quickly dispatched by yep. Worf, who had the best line in the entire movie. Assimilate. Assimilate this, and I was like, "Worf!" <laughs> I love Worf. Oh gosh, man, I'm very, I'm just, I'm really more. I need to rewatch the Picard trailer now with all mm-hmm. of this context. Yeah, I I'll we'll put a link. Let me, let me, I'll gather all. There's like three different. I think there's two teasers and a trailer, and um, yeah, I'm curious to see like after you rewatch the teasers and trailers, what you think of my my curated selection of episodes. I mean, this felt great. It felt super uh, coherent and it felt very purposeful to me because I feel like I know the character of Picard so much better now. Coherent and purposeful. (laughs) I just feel like it was a really great character uh, explainer for both Q and Picard. Yeah. Which, so like if you are listening and like me just didn't have any of this context, highly recommend, like we'll list out the the episode numbers Mm -hmm. in the summary, um, but these were great. They were just really, really great explainers. If you don't like body horror, don't watch First Contact. Just read Read just, the Wikipedia summary. Yeah, read the wiki. Read, um, if you don't like First Contact, what I'll tell you is go back and watch Best of Both Worlds Parts 1 and 2, which is the two-parter where he's assimilated, and then watch Family, which which is the episode after Best of Both Worlds where he deals with the trauma of being assimilated. Um, watch that, th- I guess it's kind of a three-parter, so watch that three-parter instead of First Contact. Yeah. 
first contact is pretty rough. Yeah. It's like if you if you yeah. There's a lot of like close-ups of cutting and and that kind of stuff, so just fair warning. That said, it's a really good movie. It's a great it's I mean it's down general it's genuine it's definitely the best of the next gen movies and mm-hmm. a lot of people put it up there with like Wrath of Khan for yeah, the it best was of the Star excellent. Trek movies. Yeah, just the thread of Picard like that simmering anger the entire time is so good. The lines like, must be drawn here, oh, this far, and now. Oh my god! <laughs> Nerd. I say, I say that in like everyday conversations sometimes, and it's like fun to see who the Star Trek fan is in the room. <laughs> it was just so. It was so like. It was such a masterfully done slow burn of anger, though, because it's mm-hmm. just like slowly building, and you have this character of. Alfred Woodard's character, who is a great character, but she's definitely there to be the audience's perspective in terms of, like, she doesn't know this man. She's just met Picard, but she can see that build of anger, right? Like, she can see it happening, and she's the one who's like, you are going to sacrifice your crew for revenge. Yep. And that, oh, when he has to, like, you know the moment he's lost is when he yells at Worf and calls him a coward. Yeah. And then he has to apologize to Worf. And I was like, okay, I feel better now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It is a really, really good movie. If you can stomach the horror, it's very, very good. Okay. I think that's our discussion. Yeah. Man. Um, I know. Now I want to go back and watch the other cute episodes. (laughs) You should, I mean, honestly, like I did this because I don't want to make Preeti watch like eight episodes. But, like, honestly, all the Q episodes, like, Deja Q is really good for understanding, like, Q's relationship with humanity. And if you, like, you were talking about the Data stuff, Q and Data have a really, really nice relationship building in that episode. There's a lot of, if Q and the Borg, if you want them in the same episode, Q Who is where, Q is the entire reason, uh, I probably should have said this, Q is the entire reason the Borg know about humanity. Oh, no. in the episode Q Who... Uh, Q transports the uh, Federation or transports the Enterprise um, to have its first encounter with the Borg. Well, that's not great. Yeah. And I was going to actually, that was originally on my list instead of first contact, but then that's kind of the only significant. It's just that that's the fact that it happens and not like, there's not a lot of nothing else. Yeah. But so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. A lot of really good Whoopi Goldberg scenes in that episode too. I do love Whoopi Goldberg. She's so good. Um, okay. Well, I will be looking, I will be looking for those episodes, I think, uh, (laughs) after this, but yeah, now I'm, I'm like even more excited about Picard season two and, and am sort of considering rewatching season one. Actually, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna rewatch it before season two. Yeah, just with all of this context in mind, I think it'll shift a lot of the scenes that I watched and didn't fully grasp, just because I was enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm more excited than I was, so I'm. I'm very glad we did this. Yay! I'm so glad. Mission <laughs> accomplished. Uh, okay, so what are we doing? What are you doing? Oh, I was like, what am I doing? Uh, most of the stuff, as usual, I still can't talk about. I'm so sorry. I really, I, in the next two weeks, I think I'm going to be able to finally say something about the big thing that I'm working on. But until then, I am doing a lot of Wheel of Time coverage for Polygon, which I'm excited about. Uh, and 
Tarval and Her Bust, which is my Wheel of Time podcast with Jen Northington, where we are deep diving into the series. If you have not read the books, honestly, you could listen to our podcast because we dig deep into like basically it started as 10 chapters at a time. We've gone down to eight chapters at a time. And I think we're probably going to go down to like five chapters at a time because we get super in depth in like plotting and writing and like arthurial intent and all this stuff. Um, so if you don't have time to read the books, you could listen to our podcast about the books, just saying. Otherwise, if you are looking to read the books, we also love when people come hang out, even if you've never read the books before. It's spoiler free. We are only talking about what we have read in that episode. We're not going because most we don't remember, honestly. Um, so yeah, Tarvalin or Bust. Yes. That's a lot of it. Did you already say you're doing coverage for Polygon? I did. Okay. All right. I was like, I see <laughs> that on there. Did you? Okay. Um, for me, I am still doing my wired column. I skipped this week. Uh, my editors have been so understanding with all of the like work, but like, I'm just, it just, I skipped this week, but I'll be back to my regularly, uh, regularly writing there, um, next week. And I'm also recapping, very excited to be recapping Star Trek Prodigy, which is the new kind Yay. of all ages Star Trek show, uh, for Star Trek.com. So really excited for that. I'm excited for this show. It looks it looks beautiful, and um, I'm very excited to dive in. Uh, and now what we are into, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I am replaying Horizon Zero Dawn, which is uh, it's a PlayStation game, and the sequel, Horizon Forbidden West, is coming out uh, next in February, So, which I will be covering for NPR, which I'm very excited about. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, I'm excited. This is a good game. Um, it's one of my favorites. Like, it's fantastic. I'm really getting into kind of learning the gameplay this time, which seems weird for my second playthrough. But first time I did a lot of just like trying to smash my way through it. And this time I'm like kind of learning to use the different tools because I know I, I know I can like if it makes sense, I know I can beat it. So I'm making I'm having much more fun learning how to play it well. Does, if that makes sense mm -hmm. um versus yeah. the anxiety of like am i going to die like i the really cool thing about new game plus and horizon zero dawn is you get to keep all your experience and all your weapons and armor and i got this arm special armor at the end of the game that basically makes you invincible nice so now i don't have any anxiety about you know just taking my time to like choose the right weapon and choose to figure out like what the weaknesses are and so like that's been really actually fun figuring out that um oh, that's a good wire column topic actually <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe maybe that'll be what I write about next week. Um, so anyway, so that's mainly what I'm doing right now. Um, otherwise, it's um, we're watching Manifest, which is on Netflix. And I can't say it's a good show. <laughs> like, honestly, I can't say it's good, but it's really intriguing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's keeping me hooked. But like, when I walk away from it, like, I often forget, like, I'm like, what are we watching right now? Like, so it's not like, but... It's really intriguing. And then The Lost Symbol, which is on Peacock. And it's like the Dan, I, I, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. obsessed with like the Dan Brown, Robert Langdon stuff. Like I love, I read all the books, love it. And so this show's, <laughs> the show's actually really fun. It's got a really good sense of humor, which uh, I did not expect. Um, <laughs> I love doing these, like what we're doing right now, because we are, we often are in such wildly different places. Yep. Uh, what am I doing right now? I'm I put this whole list because I'm doing so much, but I think one uh, 
Superman and Lois, I watched the entire first season on HBO Max and was so pleasantly surprised by how That's much I on loved my, it. Like at the top of my list. It's so good. Tyler Hecklin as Clark Kent is just such a wonderfully sweet, nerdy, like I think he might be my favorite Clark Kent since like, I, like Tom Welling. Like, I don't know. It's been so long. I feel like since he he has this ability to just be very like, Kind of bumbling and cute and awkward but still like the minute he turns into superman like he still has some of those clark kent sensibilities it's really good like highly recommend it and i love the like it's future so it's like their kids are like 14 these two and boys um they've like moved back to smallville he and lois like lois is also excellent like the storylines everybody is given weight so it's not it really is a superman and lois show like it's not heavily focused on like the romance or anything like Lois has her whole own identity, her whole own like storyline. It's really, really, really strong. Um, and then I started playing, I forgot, I didn't write this down, but I started playing this game called Maquette on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's like some indie, I think it's Annapura studios. It's like $13 and it's a puzzle game. Hmm. Yeah. It's so I'm not, I'm only like, I want to say probably 20% into it. But there, you have been transported into this, like, land where there is a story of a relationship happening sort of in the background. And you are tasked with, create, like, moving through these puzzles to get pieces of the relationship story. And it plays with, like, size and dimension. Like, there's a model in the center of this land that is a small scale model of the land surrounding you. So the, okay. what you do in that model infects the land around you. It's really cool. Okay, like I'm, okay. It's very, very cool. I will say it's first person. And like my sister got a little like nauseous watching uh-huh. it. So just a heads up if you are interested in it, um, but how or maybe have a tendency to get motion sickness. It might not be for you. Um, but no, it's really cool and weird. And I'm just like, it's not like hugely story-based. Like the relationship stuff is interesting, but mostly I'm in it because it's like a lot of thought puzzles of figuring out how different pieces connect so you can move forward through the game. But I'm I'm really digging it. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. I, I put so many things down, <laughs> but those are the two big ones, I think. Um, so we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. Um, you can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's hard N-O-C media.com. H-T-T-P-S. Yes. <laughs> Colon backslash backslash. Uh, and thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Meredith at the $12 level and Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knot family, Priya, Keshav, Ruth, and Gavita at the $5 level. You can come hang out with us at patreon.com slash Girls. We didn't put the other stuff in, but you can follow us on Twitter at Girls. And I am at runwithskizzers on basically everything. I am at S. Krishna. And until next time, we'll we'll see see you you in hell. hell.